So I'm going to be teaching you from the Bible today. Really excited about that. Um, the series that we've been going through for the last few months is called Good to Grow. And we're really just trying to uh, tackle uh, one of the main things that stops us from growing spiritually, and that's anxiety. That is just the, the worries of this life. And we started this series with no thought of um, COVID-19. That really wasn't on our radar at all at any point we prepared it. And even when we started to preach it, it was some vague uh, thing going on over in China that we knew little about. Little did we know where we would find ourselves. And um, today's specific fear is, is called, I'm a, or, or specific anxiety is that I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid of the future. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And if you just simply just take a moment to think about perhaps the last 20 years or so um, of our nation in the UK here, and we are one of the most, um, we are one of the most politically stable nations in the world. We enjoy so much, so much freedom. We enjoy um, so much privilege. We enjoy uh, so much riches really compared to many parts of the world. And yet even for us over the last 20 years, we've had the war on terror. We've had a global financial meltdown that we were very much part of. We've had years of austerity from 2010 onwards. We've had Brexit uh, going around and around. You know, it's almost like a distant memory now, isn't it? But Brexit and now we've got the coronavirus, five big things, even just in the last 20 years. Um, for a Western nation, it's been a tumultuous period of time. It's a time that we will look back on and say, wow, a lot went on. And there was a lot of things that went on that could have really got um, under our skin and really, really bothered us in significant, in significant ways. And the Bible passage that I'm going to preach to you from today is equally set in a very tumultuous Period. It's set in a season which wasn't easy, the season um, that's covered in the books called the Kings in the Bible. And really it covers the period of time where Israel had become an, a nation with their own kings and then they, they split into two. They had a, there was a fragmenting of the nation and there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, each with separate kings. And, and so the books of the Kings really uh, looks at the, the reigns of these kings. And to be honest, a lot of the time it does not make for pleasant reading. There was much war, there was famine, there was all kinds of uh, terrible things that went on. And we're going to be focusing in the book of two Kings, the second book of Kings, chapter six. And we're going to be looking at the prophet Elisha. Um, the prophet Elijah and Elisha really contain in, in, their, in their narratives, in the stories of their lives, contain some of the most uh, outrageous miraculous workings of God's power that you'll come across in the whole Bible, really edge of the seat stuff. So we'll be looking at the story of Elisha from 2 Kings chapter 6. Now I just want to just help you understand how we're going to relate to this story today. Elisha is a prophet, which means he's one of the anointed leaders of the nation. And throughout the Old Testament, we have prophets, priests, and kings. They were all different leaders that were anointed um, by the Spirit for that role. And every anointed leader, one way or the other, is a signpost pointing towards the anointed leader, Jesus. The word Christ or Messiah means anointed one. And so in this story, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let Elisha really personify for us what Jesus is like. And in this story, we'll find that Elisha has a servant, and that servant is going to represent us, the church, those who follow um, Jesus, those who look to serve and love Jesus. We will represent that. And the army of the Syrians in this story, they will represent the enemy because in this story, the Syrians are at war against Israel, who were the covenant people of God. And so, and so here we find in this story here that the Syrians kind of represent the work of the spiritual enemy, Satan. So that's how we're going to go about it. It's, it's an actual story that happened in real life, but we're also going to dig deep onto another level to look at what it's pointing to 
in terms of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to be looking at 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, and I'm going to just start by reading uh, verses 8 to 14. This is the moment where I wish I'd brought my glasses with me, but I'm kind of stuck in this castle that I've built so that I can do this sermon online. So I'm, I'm not exactly trapped, but you know what? It's fine. We'll do it without the glasses, and um, I might just squint a little bit. So we're going to read 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 14. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God, that's Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you don't pass by this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which Elisha told him, thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my Lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is, that I I may send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he's in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and they surrounded the city. It's a wonderful story. We're going to read the the second half of it after I've said a few things, just expounded it a bit. It's an amazing story. I love this line where one of the king of Syria's servants says to him, no, 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 none of us are spies. None of us are double agents. The reason why all of your attempts to ambush the king of Israel are, are not working is because they've got a prophet in Israel and he's so gifted. He's so, he walks so closely to God. He hears the Holy Spirit so clearly that he tells the king of Israel what you say in your bedroom. What a line. What an amazing line. And so what we see here is the king of Syria, really, what he's trying to do, it's an attempt to stop the advantages gained by extraordinary spiritual leadership. Israel have this extraordinary spiritual leadership in Elisha, in this anointed one. They have this remarkable leadership, this man who is utterly in touch with God. And let's just stop for a moment and think about the extraordinary advantages we enjoy through our association with Jesus. We are, we are close, so closely united with this Jesus, with this anointed one, with the Christ the one who walks so closely with the Father, that our advantages are unbelievable. They are unprecedented. They are sublime. Even think about it on an individual level, the advantages we have from being in Christ. The Bible says that we've been called, that God himself has called us by name to be in Christ, to be joined with Jesus, this anointed one, that even before time's eternal, God chose us in him before the very foundation of the world. God picked us out. To be in Christ, that's an extraordinary advantage, that he's forgiven us all of our sins, that through the, to, through the shed blood of Jesus on our behalf, that everything we've ever done that we regret, everything that would play on our conscience, everything that we would drag around like a weight of regret and pain and torment has been dealt with at the cross. 
God has made us promises. God has covenanted, promised to do us good, promised to never leave us and never forsake us, promised to be with us forever as a perfect, heavenly, loving Father. He's promised us eternal life in Jesus. That if you're in Christ, you cannot die in the sense your body will fade away and you'll fall asleep, but you cannot truly die because you're in the resurrected one and that God commits to transforming you from one degree of glory to another, even in this life into the image of Christ. These amazing things God promises us to individuals. But then let's think for a moment about what he promises us together as a people. We become the family of God. We become the people of God. And God has so set it up that that, if, that, that there will be communities of believers, congregations or churches. And God has so blessed us as a church. We are at Revelation Church an unlikely army. There's not a lot of things that we all have in common on a natural level, but Jesus has put our hearts together. And the Lord by spirit has spoken into our hearts so many times about being like Gideon's army, an unlikely army, uh, an army of people that will be gathered together under Christ. And we'll be able to do extraordinary things and accomplish things that no one could think possible through our union with Jesus. That, that more and more among us, there are people that we can point to who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in the very recent months and years through through people in the church. That's a wonderful and extraordinary spiritual, supernatural gain. The wonderful um, uh, ministries of CAP and Food Bank, where God's heart of mercy is able to reach out through the church into our communities around us. We're able literally to feed thousands of local people over the last few years, and where we've been able to help many out of crippling debt and even out of um, moments where they're about to be evicted from their homes through this wonderful debt relief with CAP. And, and, and even that Lord has helped us out of us, we've been fruitful to give birth and, to, and out of us we've born many other little churches across to the ends of the world and even more so now, even into London with the Tottenham baby church really beginning to flourish and do well. We've experienced amazing and extraordinary gains so, and it's all, all of it comes down to our union with Christ, our being joined to the anointed one. It's supernatural. Now, looking at the enemy's move in this story, you think this is dumb. This is absolutely crazy. Why would the king of Syria do this? He's just been told there's a man in Israel who is walking so closely to God that he knows what he says in his bedroom. Why? Why is it like an absolutely crazy thing to do to send this army to surround him as if he's not going to know about it or something like this? And you know what? The honest truth is this. On a spiritual level, everything that the enemy tries Everything that he tries is ultimately idiocy and folly. Because the Bible has promised and has made it very, very clear that God works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And as we trust the Lord and wait on the Lord, even this season, even this season, even even full of all of the sadness, even with all of the difficulty and all of the unanswered questions, there will be a day where we testify the Lord is wise. The Lord is good. The Lord knows what he's doing. But, you know, even though this enemy move seems crazy, let's just read verse 15 together. We'll see that even though it's it's a, a foolish move, nevertheless, it can still be quite intimidating. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master. What shall we do? Alas, my master, what shall we do? However dumb this move was, clearly it's intimidating on a natural 
level. The sermon's just got up. It's the start of the day. I, I'm sure it was a wonderful, bright day, as most days are in that part of the world. So he just went out to have a look around. We're told there were mountains around, maybe it's beautiful scenery. He went out, he, he looked out, and it's the start of the day. And, oh, no, <laughs> this is not good. The future looks bleak. Suddenly, the future looks bleak. We're surrounded. Suddenly, all hope of what might be to come has, has closed down because we are utterly surrounded. Maybe you've experienced that so at the start of some days. Maybe you've had no sleep. Maybe for you, sleep is an issue. Maybe always it's an issue. Maybe in this troubling time, it's an issue. And you wake up and the future looks bleak. Maybe there's been no rest. You slept, but there's been no rest. You slept, but it's been crazy dreams all night. Anxiety is playing over and over in your mind. What's going to happen? How are things going to work out? What about my loved ones? When am I going to see my loved ones? What about work? And you wake up and you feel as tired as when you went to sleep. No rest. Maybe it's not no rest. Maybe it's no work. Work's just suddenly all dried up. And you wake up in the morning and you think, I don't know what to do myself. Everything's closing in. I'm surrounded. Maybe there's just no joy. What shall we do? What shall we do? He cries out to the anointed leader. He cries out to Elisha. We cry out to Jesus. What should we do? On a natural level, there are three options. You either run, you hide, or you surrender. Naturally speaking, you either run, just escape, escapism. Just run into something. Run into something that will help you to forget. Run into something that will, it could be anything. Run into drugs. Run into alcohol. Just drown your sorrows. Run into porn. Just get some kind of, instant kicks and instant kind of pleasure run into anything just run 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 or, or hide bury your head in the sand just just it'll, if i just disengage it, it will be gone soon if i just disengage everything you know when i bring my head out again maybe things will, will change just just hide from reality hide from the situation hide from the facts or surrender you just give into it you just think phew. give into the distress the anxiety give into the despair give into the anger give into the resentment Run, hide, or surrender. Well, what does Elisha do? Alas, what shall we do? Well, let's read on. It's wonderful. Verse 16. He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. He led them right into his own capital, into the capital of Israel. Extraordinary. This is what the anointed one does. This is what our Jesus does. First thing he does is this is that he speaks comforting words of truth. Elisha says to the servant, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. It sounds like an extraordinary claim. There's two of them. They're in a city. They're utterly surrounded by an enemy army. And he says There's, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Extraordinary. Jesus speaks similar words of truth to us. In John 14, verse 1, Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Our hearts can so quickly become troubled. Our hearts can so easily become weighed down with, well, what's going to happen? Where, what? How? What? He says, listen, 
Don't let your heart be troubled. And you say, well, it sounds easy. How, Lord? Here's how. Trust, believe in God. Trust, believe in me. You might say, well, I do, but Jesus says, believe more deeply. Believe. Hook yourself into the promises I make to you. Hook yourself into those that nothing in the whole of creation can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that nothing is better than knowing that your sins are forgiven and your conscience is cleansed. And though, and though the circumstances of life might look all over the place, actually to know that you are right with God through faith in Christ is the most extraordinary thing. Do not let your hearts be troubled with it. And he says that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, there is such, there is such support. We are so surrounded. <laughs> we are so surrounded. We're surrounded by the love of God. We're surrounded by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're surrounded by angel powers that are sent to help us as and when we need it. We are surrounded by the family of God. We are surrounded more of those that are with us than those who are against us. So there's, so first he speaks comforting words of truth and then he prays, then he intercedes and he raises these simple prayers. Open his eyes, open his eyes, let him see. And God answers his prayers and he sees the reality of angel powers surrounding the army that's surrounding, surrounding them, they're surrounded by the angelic hosts. It's a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing. And in the, in, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would really see, that you would really understand the surpassing hope, the greatness of the hope that you've got, that your hope goes way beyond the grave. Your hope goes way beyond this life. That, we're not, that our hope is not in how things are going to pan out in this age. Our hope is at sure and certain and eternal. That even, even death, even death cannot rob us of what God promises us, for he's given us his eternal hope. He also said, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, enlightened so you will know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, which basically means that because you are joined to Jesus and he is the son of God, and you are adopted and have become also a son of God, that you're also an heir, and that just as all things have been given to the son by the father, Jesus shares out everything with you. And that in that sense, our inheritance with Jesus is the nations. Our inheritance is, is all things, is the brand new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, that we will be entrusted with that and stewards of that. Wow, this has been given to us. Your, your earthly pension may, may have taken a hit and may continue to take a hit in the coming weeks, months and years. And I do not make light of that, but I tell you now, you have an inheritance that will not spoil rust or fade. And then he says, I also pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened to the power that is at work within you, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that there's resurrection power to stand, to stand firm, to overcome. Lord, he prays, open his eyes. May the Lord open our eyes to see. And so there's this wonderful intercession, this prayer, and then he, and then he prays that the enemy will be utterly blinded, that they've come to nothing. And that also then is answered as well. You know, the main way Jesus intercedes for us in heaven, he prays for us, these mighty prayers, that our faith wouldn't fail and that we would flourish and grow, but also he intercedes for us with his blood. The Bible says something a little bit unusual about the blood of Jesus. It needs a little bit of explaining, but it's, when, you, when you get it, you go, wow. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, what does that mean? Well, way back in Genesis, there were two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain murdered Abel because he was envious of him. And then the Lord comes to Cain and says, I can hear the, your, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. He's basically saying, your brother's blood is crying out for justice, crying out for judgment. And then fast forward thousands of years to the book of Hebrews, and it says that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word 
and the blood of Abel. What does that mean? It means where Abel's blood spoke justice, judgment, Jesus' blood speaks mercy. Jesus' blood speaks mercy. That, that it's God's heart through Jesus' uh, death and, and resurrection. It's God's heart that, that we are not judged for the things that we do wrong, but that the slate is wiped clean, that we're totally forgiven and that we are brought into brand new life where we know without a shadow of a doubt how God has covered it. The debt that we owed spiritually, it's been covered. That's what the word atone means. It means covering. It's been covered. God's covered it. The debt has been paid. Hallelujah. We're right with God. We can live in that sense of a brand new, clear conscience. Hallelujah to that. Now, the reality is in the season that we're living in, psychologically, everyone is dealing with this in different ways. According to temperament, according to circumstances, according to resources in all different ways. But here's the truth, brothers and sisters, in Christ, we have food to eat that the world knows nothing of. We have food to eat, assurances from an all-powerful and an all-faithful God. That's what we have. The pledge of the Holy Spirit given to us as a down payment, assuring us, assuring us we belong to God and he's got us. We have one another, brothers and sisters in the body. And the Bible says now is a season for holding out that word of life, for holding out that incredible offer to all those who will come. This isn't some kind of exclusive kind of thing whereby as believers we just kind of are smug. No, we rejoice in all that we have in Christ, but we hold out to others and say, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will not turn away. His blood was shed for you so you too can know this new life and some amazing forgiveness and a real relationship with God where you actually know him, where he lives in you by his spirit and you know him. It's an amazing it's an amazing and it's a wonderful thing. These are such strange times that we live in. It's been said time and time again. It feels cliche now, but it's such a strange season. So many of the things that we perhaps had our hope in in a temporary sense have gone, whatever that was, whether that was just a nice day out somewhere or a lovely holiday somewhere and everything in between, whether it's hopes of a new job that we just started and now, oh gosh, you know, is that still going to be there when this finishes? You name it, so many things can, can play on our minds. And it can seem even like a strange day to do a special offering. It can seem like an insensitive thing to do a special offering. Like, you know, what, why, why are we still doing a special offering? Like, let me just talk to you about this briefly before, before we finish. Because this is so relevant to where we're at right now. Those of you that are part of the church, you'll know we wrote to you. Um, even again, before the COVID-19 thing, just saying, look, we're in a tight spot. We've, we've invested. This is a non-profit organization. All the money goes into just ministry and, and kingdom you know, stuff, just looking after the poor, looking after one another, releasing people so that we can look after one another better and, and, and just serve the purposes of Jesus. That's, that's what it's about. Um, but we've hit a tight spot for, for, for reasons that are nothing to do with our own irresponsibility, um, just circumstances. And, and we wrote you and we let you know, we said we feel God's put in our heart that over this next financial year we're looking to raise an extra £100,000 which back then seemed like a huge thing we kind of looked at each other going are we crazy but we thought no we actually feel this is the leading of God we really feel this is the leading of God that he's this is where he's taking us um, and we brought it before you and we just felt that there was just that sense of unity in this and that we are in this together and um, I believe that the church flourishes in adversity I don't know how it works. It's a supernatural thing, but I believe that the tighter things get, the more of a squeeze it is, the more grace of God comes out, the more extraordinary, inexplicable um, actions and behavior and words come out because, because it brings out the gold that the Lord has put in us by his spirit. And so we're believing that in this season, now we say we want to press on with this because 
when, when, when we felt God lead us into this, it wasn't as if God didn't know the future. It wasn't as if somehow COVID-19 has caught God out. He led us into this in the clear knowledge of what was going to be. And you know what? I want to be honest with you. We are totally in faith. I'm in faith for an extraordinary offering today. We as elders were in faith. I mean, I, I, I just feel spiritually there's something that's going to happen today in the giving that is going to be such a statement in the spirit, such a sense of, no, we trust God, believe God. We really do. <laughs> we, you know, we, we just do. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be stunning. I believe. I believe. I, I actually believe it's going to be an extraordinary offering spiritually. I believe it's going to be an extraordinary offering financially. I just do. I believe it will. Um, I can't make myself not believe it. So you see, everything circumstantially, you think, no. See, I think God's going to do something extraordinary among us, and um, it's it's a it's a great thing. Many of you will know that, uh, but many of you won't know that. For years, we've had a fund called Two Forty Five, which is taken from the Book of Acts, chapter two, verse forty five, where it talks about people selling possessions in the church um, so that any that had need among them would be looked after. We've had this fund, but we've, we've not had to draw on it loads. But we particularly wanted to say we want to put the first £5,000 that we raise in today's special offering, we want to put into that fund so that we can do our best to just shore up, help, come alongside, support those among us who are currently really on a precipice financially who really need help. Thank God for CAP and Food Bank where we're ministering mercy and kindness, normally often beyond the borders of the church. But the Bible says, do good to all, but especially to the household of the faith. It's ever so important that we are looking out for one another in this season. And so the first £5,000 of the offering today will be put aside for that. And, and um, there will, on, on revenues that goes out in the week, there'll be details about how to begin uh, applying for help from that fund if you, if you need that. But we really just want to know, we, we, we do absolutely get this season that we're in, but we believe in God for something extraordinary. Today, there was a church in a place called Macedonia in the New Testament, dreadfully poor, extremely poor. And it's, the Apostle Paul says this about them. He says, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, strange blend, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity in their part. It's supernatural. It's grace. God has given us extraordinary grace, absolute extraordinary grace in the gospel. Because of that, there is out of that grace, out of the joy that comes from that grace, we give. We give extraordinarily. We give cheerfully. We give according to our means. We're not leaning on anyone. We're not putting burdens on anyone. The Bible says the commandments of God are not burdensome. He loves a cheerful giver. But I believe there is extraordinary grace today. Extraordinary grace in the special offering, and we'll see the Lord do an amazing thing. I'm going to just do a few things. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray the Lord to open our eyes to see freshly more of those that are with us than those that are against. Just to see those, the, the, just the nearness of God, to, just, to see the support of angelic hosts all around us, horses and chariots of fire. And then after that, there's a short video we've put together where we've, um, where just different people from Rev has just said things they're thankful for in the church. And then we're going to sing. We're going to sing that song, Surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Wow, what a, what a wonderful song that really sums up today's passage. During that song is a time where we can start giving to the offering. There'll be details that comes up on the screen to help us to know how to do that so we can, we can begin to, our, our giving into the special offering. There'll be a link to follow. Or if you want to just transfer electronically, then just you know, make sure that you label that it's for the special offering. We're going to do that, and then we'll gather back at the end, and Luke and Sarah and Isabel and Sammy will lead us through in the bread and in the wine. So let me just pray for us now. 
Father, thank you so much for just the gospel. We are so privileged. We are so blessed. We are so provided for. You've covered it. You've covered it. You've covered it. You've covered our sin. You've covered our shame. You've covered our guilt. You've covered, even, Lord, even when you speak such amazing words of assurance and promise to us that covers our fears. And we just think of that servant now, Lord, when he would have suddenly had his eyes opened and the fear would have drained away and the courage would have come. And I pray now in the name of Jesus that fear would drain away, that anxiety would drain away, and that we would be filled with courage as we see, Lord, that on a natural level we may look surrounded, but we know, Lord, there's a, there, there are facts and there is truth. And factually we're surrounded. But truth, eternal truth tells us that, we, that, that that which surrounds us, pressures, fears, anxieties, threats, is surrounded by you and you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? And so we bless your holy name, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that, that our eyes will be opened, we'd see, and I pray for such a release of extraordinary faith, extraordinary grace, extraordinary joy today, Lord God, that the offering would be just pleasing in your sight and we would do things with it, Lord, that make your heart glad and extend your kingdom. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.